tamarahi ki te rangi, a ku whakateitei ki te whenua tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome to Party People, funded by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. I'm Mihi Ngārangi Forbes, and guys, it's schools are holidays over and the kids are back to kura, and the ponies are back to Parliament. So joining Shane and I this week is a wahine who knows all about the rough and tumble of the parliamentary pr- playground. Uh, in 2017, Jenny Marcroft was elected as a New Zealand First List MP. She earned a reputation as a hard-working advocate for Māori, but in the run-up to the 2022 election, she was dropped down the party list. Uh, only for New Zealand First to be dropped by the voters. Uh, since then, Jenny has said e nohora to New Zealand First, and we have said kia ora rā to her. Tēnā koe, te tuakana. Oh, kia ora koutou. Awesome, happy new year. What have you been up to? Well, I've been busy. Um, I think once you come out of Parliament, regardless of the length of term you serve, you need to recalibrate back into what is normal life. So I took a bit of time um, and then ended up um, working in health, which was a portfolio that I held responsibility for um, while I was in Parliament, even though my background was media, I went into health, so I've been working inside a PHO in an equity team, which was a really good fit for me continuing to do work around being an equity champion, which is something um, that drives my passion. Health was, became quite busy in the last three years. It's become extremely, um, <laughs> yes, very, very busy. And with reforms coming down the pipeline, uh, a lot of uncertainty out there, you know, add on top of that, the pandemic, um, yeah, it's pretty busy. No um, I'm uh, from Hokianga, so Fakarungurua te maunga, ko Utukura te awa, ko Pukitawa te marae, ko Hokianga te moana, um, ko uh, te ngahi ngahi, te hone hone, um, te poputo ngā hapu, um, so I whakapapa into ngā pui, also I have um, branches going out into Te Arawa and to Ngāti Wai, so I have sort of a little bit of um, connectivity around, around the motu. Tēnā koe o te rā, tēnā koutou, mm. mi, o, uh, mi o hap, uh, hapu iwi hoki. Uh, Shane, tēnā yeah, koe, Parliament, Parliament's been in recess and you've been doing yes. a little bit of rugby commentary, I hear. bit of rugby commentary. Someone said to me just yesterday that the All Blacks are a bad of the Warriors. I said, no, no, things aren't that tough. But it's, it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, it's just part of our national psyche. We feel a little bit down when the ABs lose. And uh, they're off to Africa. They haven't won two games in Africa since 1996. We, we had a very good team. I think it's going to be not a good tool for them. I don't see them getting positive results. And sooner or later, they're going to have to go to the obvious. And that's Scott Robinson. So let's see how things play out. And that's uh, enough rugby for this that's show. That's right. That's right. College, Chicken 15. Go, that's, go gives me my credentials. Yeah. Let's go to a kaupapa nui. Um, Look, we lost an absolute champion last week, uh, Ricky Halton, a man who was committed to lifting whānau out of poverty. Uh, Huni Harawera said uh, his iwi was te pani me te rawakore, the poor and the dispossessed, and he was right. Look, he ran He Kōrawai Trust, uh, which he started literally Mm. from nothing. Um, He saved 550 far north homes from mortgagee sales. He literally saved thousands and thousands of people from becoming homeless. And, of course, the Kaitai Hostel, uh, which was for men. And so many hostels are only catered for women and children, and he catered for Mm. Māori men who were really underserved. Do you have a story about Ricky? I think we've all got beautiful Mm. stories about this incredible person who's touched so many lives. And I I want to speak to two things. Firstly, um, I met him 
when I started going to Waitangi Day, which I've been doing every year for the last uh, decade, and and he would be there and he would be lobbying for the work he was doing. So that's that's how I fir- first met him. Um, another time that he phoned me was after a story on Utakura, where I'm from, and the poverty and the housing, yeah. um, which you know you you ran on the hui. Might have been a hui story. Mm. Yeah, it was a hui. <laughs> and guess who phoned to say I want to help? It was Ricky. He got on the blower and he said, how can I come into your valley and help with the housing situation? So what an incredible Amazing, man. yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that was the the generosity of spirit that he demonstrated and it was so real and genuine and authentic. And I've reflected on, since his passing, what was it? What was his driver for doing that amazing work? And as a kid that had such a terrible upbringing, yeah. Yeah. he was trying to heal himself through healing and helping others. That's beautiful. I think that... Mm really was was his gift to the world. Yeah. Oh, a couple of years ago, he won a Local Heroes Award, yeah. and he was a local hero. He was a disruptor, you know, of, of, of process because, you know, he saw that as a bureaucracy. And also, you know, a lot of our Māori leaders have done quite well in life in terms of using their using their position to do well for themselves. Quite the opposite with Ricky. You know, he died a poor, he died a poor man because he gave to his people. And uh, and I just hope there is someone up there that's um, going to take up his mantle because it is one that we're going to need even more so as, as, as the future um, comes to us. Yeah, that is the concern, eh? It mm. might have to be an iwi of people who yeah. take on mm. his mantle because he carried so much on his own. Um, yeah, te tani uh, let's move on to uh, some news yeah. that's just happened in the last few days. The Green Party delegates have spoken over the weekend uh, at the party's annual general meeting where enough of them voted for Jane Shaw to vacate his seat. Uh, it means that any Green Party member can now put their name forward uh, for the role and I think that vote comes up in around five weeks' mm-hmm. time. So what do you think this is, Jenny? Is this the young Greens pushing for change? Well, I think um, some of the commentary we've heard is that um, James Shaw is not seen as green enough. I mean, this is a minister who has, for the first time, taken the Greens into government, um, and he has been pushing the kaupapa of climate change. He's done extremely well in that. Has it been? Has it gone as far enough as some of the extreme part of the party want it to go? Probably not, because. When you're in a coalition, you have to make um, concessions. Yeah. So I think they think it's um, he's had his had mm. his fair turn. Give someone else a crack, um, and I think that's probably they're looking at perhaps someone like Chloe Swalbrook. Have you got any insight into the rumblings? Yeah, yeah look, um, mainly um, this is the charge of a group they called the Wild Greens that are a bit more radical, not only environmental issues but on social issues. Um, left, some will say they've got a bit of a Marxist taint. And the other thing is, I think it is about Chloe usurping her authority. She is a seat MP. She's the only seat MP, and she's probably the only real insurance that they've got going mm-hmm. into the next election. And she'll want to use that um, uh, in terms of um, in terms of having a position of strength. I don't think James will stand. And, you know, I just got, I, I know him quite well. Uh, and I just. Should he have stood down earlier then? Yeah, if, I, if this I, was the feeling of the party, should he have kept it tidy? Well, you know, when I when I met him on, on a few occasions just before the last election, I felt that his real heart wasn't in it, that mm. he saw the writing on the wall. And in a, and in a way, it really is need, there is need for generational change, and Chloe does represent that. Mm. And they've got rid of their male-female gender splits. Yes. So. That's right. So now it can be any gender, yes. but Maori or yeah. Pākehā, mm. right? Yes. So it could be a whole machination of a whole lot of partnerships. Yeah, and and Chloe brings that young, new, vibrant um, group of people into into the realm. And, you know, she's pushing for that 
16-year-old voting age, she'll bring more force in, in behind her. She's got it, the leadership How will that affect the coalition? Well, I don't think it'll affect the coalition this time around, but what we learned from Australia is those that middle-class tier group are very important, and that's who, um, that's who James appeals to. And the other thing is that um, he is probably the best fundraiser and all those sort of practical practical things will, will go down. But, yeah, I just think the writing's on the wall, and I think Chloe will be the leader come the end of the year. Let's move on to another party, another mm. small but significant party. Um, so this week, uh, last week a decision was made. The New Zealand First Foundation was found not guilty of fraud. Um, Jenny, tell us what the case is about. Well, it's about um, the fundraising arm of New Zealand First set up an organisation called New Zealand First Foundation, and they went out and did the fundraising. So that's a, a step away from the actual a political party. Um, they fundraised and in question um, is about $750,000. Now that's a significant amount of money. Mm. Over five years. Eh? Over five yeah. years. Um, New Zealand First really was a was a you know a grassroots party. You know, you'd have your bake sales and your knitting thons and all those sorts of things to bring in the putia. Um, and this was the first time that they'd sort of gone out and, and raised big bits of money. Um, so in came in question was what was happening with the money, was there fraud involved, why wasn't uh, those funds registered with the Electoral Commission. So that's, um, charges were laid Mm. um, with the Serious Fraud Office and um, yes, it's taken several years from uh, 2019 until Friday. What do you make of it all, Shane? Well, I think that um, I was really surprised that the SFO did lay charges because I thought that if there were breaches, perhaps they could have been in in the Electoral Act. So, you know, taken under that, it's a significant loss for the SFO. They don't take a lot of cases to court and and lose. They they normally get people to fess up or or, or settle. If you you, um, get into that a little bit more, because there's been some discussion around whether the Electoral Act is strong enough to to um, make those charges or, you know, and that's why people have been wondering if it should be the crime. You know, there's a lot of discussion yeah. around that. As someone said, uh, I think a commentator said that it needs reform around there. Oh, no, and, and this is why I'm quite a strong believer in what um, Kitty Tapu Allen is trying to do, make it more transparent. You know, the days of just accepting that people can write a cheque for $14,999 and split it amongst three family members just to get around the act is just, is just not on. And, you know, there is this perception that New Zealand first is largely funded by bake sales. That, that, and that's not the reality in terms of modern parties. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, uh, just a, absolute transparency needs to happen. And I think that not only um, should the registration of, of those interests uh, be brought forward, I think they should be absolute transparent. The, mon- the, the minute the money goes in the bank, it should be on some form of a website. Will there be pressure now to the ECFO to explain themselves? I think they might appeal. You know, as, as I said, they don't they don't like uh, losing. And uh, this, this was a, a bloody nose for them. Uh, I think there's a little bit of water to go under the bridge because not only uh, could they appeal, but, you know, the chief protagonist that got permanent name suppression, which is interesting in itself, might in fact go after them for costs. Mm. Will Winston Peters feel vindicated, Jenny? Well, I think he'll, he'll, he absolutely is um, relieved, I think, cause from, from the result. Have you spoken because he, to him? Yes, I have spoken to him. I spoke can, to him yesterday. Can you share it? Well, I'll tell you just what, on the party people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just between us here. Yeah. Um, he certainly was feeling relieved and um, because everything in terms of defending their case, um, was they threw everything at it. And it's cost them a lot of money, let alone the $3.8 million that, that it's cost the Crown, the taxpayer. Um, so so he, was, he always knew that they didn't break the law. 
um, but what comes next, he will reflect on the win and what's what's the right next steps to take. He wouldn't he wouldn't um, make any decisions during that court process um, of what you know if they got a win, what would that those next step be, or if they lost, what those next. He basically focused completely on the result of of the trial. He'll take some time now what to do. I think membership of the party will say take the win and let's start building towards 2023, which will be the focus the party wants to do on Monday, their meeting, um, and they've, they're going to be starting, um, yeah, so th- this week they'll start that policy process mm. of building up some policy and putting together a manifesto to, and building the team to look at um, contesting 2023. Mm. Shane, you tweeted he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he'll, do you mean? He'll, he'll use this as a platform uh, that this was a hit job by the media, um, some within... You know the institution that we is housing us in the in, at the moment in terms of RNZ, uh, and he will have the uh, director and the SFO clearly in his sights. And if he is back, and I'm not prepared to write him off, I think it's going to be tough. If he's back, I think the SFO will go, and it'll just be purely absorbed into the the, the, the current um, justice system. If he is back, will you stand? Oh, I haven't made any decisions about that, Mahi, but. Um, what I, what I think um, I want to take up that point that Shane's made because it's a very important point about where will he line what what will be in his line of sight mm. and I think if you look back from um, having been inside the party inside the caucus during that time that all of those missiles and those little bombs went off from 2019 and they the timing of them those regular intervals that um, the RNZ ran stories you know, right leading up to the election, there felt like there was some political play happening which was designed to take Winston yeah, down. But more so than what would be normally a, a story which was worthy of investigating, absolutely, there's no question about that, but it, it felt like the timing of the placement of those stories at those regular intervals was set to cause major political disruption. Yeah, was there a political motivation we can, we can only, Do you think that's can... any different to any other political party? I mean, when you're a political journalist, when you yeah. know the comings and goings of mm. politics, it doesn't matter who, which colour. Except this all came from the president of the party at the time. He was he was the leak. He was the one that was working directly with the uh, the, the reporters from RNZ. And Winston has to take some responsibility. You know, I, I, I know a lot of those key players, and I said at the time, this guy's got no experience, he's got no track record, he's promised you the delivery of, of, of a lot of money in terms of fundraising, and he did no, nothing of that. And Winston has, he does do this, Jenny, he brings people from the outside that don't have the experience that yep. seem to have a reasonably decent CV but don't deliver and he's done that for, in terms of this president and many MPs. Yes, just to to be yeah. clear though, we don't know who um, the sources are on those stories and I, and I wouldn't want to uh, put names out there and things like that. And one thing I do know about those, um, some of those journalists who are there, they're, they're very protective of their sources. So let's just move on from that. We do have a new party that's mm. been touted around the weekend and it's Brian Tamaki. He's saying he's looking at a party with three um, current or, you know, a past um, smaller parties. What might it look like, Jenny? Well, I think it will look like um, uh, my nana's crocheted knit, uh, <laughs> crocheted blanket. Mm. Quite frankly, um, <laughs> you know, he's had a go at this before, wasn't successful. He's an outlier. Um, Yes, he has a following and they're pretty staunch. Um, I'm really interested to see what their roading policy will look like. <laughs> Lane for the old Harleys. Um, you know, when you when you consider Parliament at the moment, mm. many people say that actually National has a quite conservative 
uh, religious yes. you know, group inside of it. Is there enough room on that spectrum for them? I think there is enough room. You know, we've had the Conservatives under Colin Craig get just under 5% and then went backwards at the last election. I don't see this particular party or grouping to come together because actually they don't have a lot in common. And the other thing is with Brian Tamaki, it's either his way or no way. He doesn't actually believe in uh, democracy. He's a th- theocrat. He believes that, you know, he's given from God to lead the people of Aotearoa New Zealand. Uh, you know, his million man march that he's organising in a few weeks' time, he'll be lucky to get, a, a, you know, six or seven. 7,000. Uh, but the thing is that we do give him a lot of space and a lot of airtime. But uh, you have a look. Um, every time they've gone up in terms of that, they've failed spectac- sp- uh, spectacularly. The, the, the biggest vote they've ever got is 1,000 in, in Waiariki at the last election. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is that many of these parties that they will bring in are conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. And actually, they tend to turn on each other. And, you know, um, uh, that was certainly the case in terms of um, the, the party that raised its head at the last election. It went nowhere because they New turned. Turned on each other. In time, we will tell. Um, Let's just move to uh, Parliament was in recess, but local government had their annual hui last week. There was a strong call for national and local governments to work together and for multiple agencies to align with local bodies to create social cohesion in the respective regions. Um, So climate change, co-governance were also themes. You were in Parliament on the uh, Environment and the Health Select Committees. Do grassroots organisations, including councils, understand their people better than central government, do you think? Um, I think if you've got MPs who are working on the ground and not just sitting in their office, then yes, they do have good connectivity into, into the communities. There always is more room for getting better um, voice from the community into into the beehive um, and into parliament generally. Um, I think what's going to be interesting from my perspective in the health reforms, when they're looking at laying out this new, Mm. what's called a locality um, format for um, getting good primary care health and and good integrated health and planned care, is how we're going to work with council and with all of the other Mm. entities and stakeholders in in a particular geographical location because that that will then be a game changer for health and for... um, better Māori health outcomes. Yeah, they were saying, you know, what I heard at the conference is that when you're forced in a pandemic and a crisis to work together or to go back down to grassroots, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that there was a concern that, you know, councils and government will move away from that kind of stuff. One of the um, examples they used was the um, Border Patrol in the north and how at the beginning no one was interested and everyone thought it was a bad idea, but actually it became the only thing that kept uh, COVID out of Northland. And, you know, I think there's been some really cool things happening in that space. We're going to see the development of Māori wards, but you you look around Aotearoa New Zealand, the the, the growth of the number of Māori that are elected in their own right and in, mm. in general constituencies it's 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 well up and um, and as a result of that you know they get into what are fundamentally co-governance arrangements we see that in Te Tokoro, uh of quite controversial the um, the uh, Canterbury environmental group in there mm. um, where the national party is saying you know this is this is a bad look but actually the national party people that sit on that local board are saying this is what we do and this is how we do it and many regional and, and, and provincial uh, local authorities it's just the way they do it every day because of the role that iwi play in their regions yeah um one of the other gold star examples was the Waikato River Authority yes. and how 
it's now something like 20, nearly 30 years old or something. Mm. So um, the co-governance that was working in there, Pākehā Māori, ex-former national MPs and the rest of it, saying it's very successful. Yeah, and I think it's, it's you know, there's multiple models of what does co-governance look like. Yeah. And I think we, we can't say, oh, it's just going to be this. Because... Iwi won't necessarily want it to be just 50-50. It might be a, a completely different mix of, of how, how, they, how we all govern together. So I think we need to be open to a multitude of ways of Is of it us or together. is it local bodies that need to start being open and start thinking about how to work together? Oh, I, I think a bit of both. Mm. And, you know, I just don't think we can underestimate how important iwi such as Ngati Awa play in the Fakatani Regional Council. They, they're big players in, in the local economy, and um, so so that sort of de- develops that sort of synergy. So I think it's just as much uh, our responsibility as it is local local government. And, and also, I think it's also central government's responsibility mm. to help iwi develop the people who are going to be able to be part of governance structures. Mm. Uh, you just mentioned Fakatani, and I think mm. uh, Nandor Tanchos might be running for the mayor there. But let's talk about the mayoral races because there's a whole heap of yeah. Maori now standing in in mm. some of the race, uh, some of the um, competition that's coming up. Do you want to talk? Oh, let's start with Moko Tipania mm. from the far north. How's he going? Oh, go? look, Moko is on everybody's lips. So he he has got uh, the the vote from. All the people I've spoken to in the north, they think he's an absolute young gun. He can speak across um, multi- multiple um, communities. Uh, he's from the Hokianga, Miti Miti, so he's, you know, he, he knows a lot of people in the area. All the nannies love him. Um, and really, I think, because Kelly Shelford's standing as well, mm. um, and what my aunties are telling me is that Kelly should just step back and let Moko come come forward. Well, yeah. The nanny vote is so crucial, but actually the youth vote's crucial up there because you know when you consider that twenty, that half the population is twenty, or the majority of the population is twenty five, are they vote going to vote those? Yeah, can Moko get them out? Well, he'll have a better shot at getting them out than than someone who's not relevant anyway. Mm. You know. Tell me about some of the other ones that you've yeah. been watching there, Shane. Uh, well, of course you've got the head head for the capital city, and that's Tory Fano and Paul Eagle, and also really interesting that's Green versus Labour. I think Paul's probably got the edge. And then Nrua uh, Pahu, uh, Elijah Pui, and Fiona Kahukura Hadley Chaser are, are running for the mayoralty. Uh, a fight within a fight. They're both activists within the Māori Party. They both say that Tariana Turia was the sort of their, their instigator in terms of their mm. political consciousness. Well, and, well, but, well, do they have a chance? Uh, look, there's a former mayor is standing. I think he's 70 plus, and, uh, they, and, and the locals are saying he's probably the front runner, the deputy mayor of, in the far north regional. Council is, is is standing. I actually think that um, someone needs to sit down with both of these folks and say, "Hey, look, both of you will count, will cancel out each of, each other's vote. Let's do something for the greater greater the, good." The Wellington one, though, is a big one. Um, Tori yeah. Fano, she's a bright spot. Mm. People are talking about her all over the show, and then you've got Paul Eagle. Um, they're definitely not going to do a deal. No, <laughs> Who no do you think's I, go well there? absolutely not. I think um, well, Paul comes with that. He was deputy mayor, so he he's been in the council. He he brings that background as well as being a member of parliament. Uh, Tory was chief of staff for the Greens, so she brings a youthful vibrance to it. Um, I've, I'm really enjoying watching her social media campaign so far. Yeah, yeah, and if you look at some of the other councillors, they're young Maori. Yeah, um, it is changing. It's changing. It the, lands- the landscape's changing down there. And also. Another 
another interesting dynamic is Tui Iti is mm-hmm. standing on the Māori Party on a Māori Party ticket, and I think that's quite smart. A year or so from the election, have some of these key people stand under the Māori uh, Party umbrella. It gives them, it gives them a sort of the, the party a bit of prominence when there's a bit of a lull. And uh, you know they had a very successful Rangatahi uh, alternative parliament session down in Wellington, so it seems a bit of rejuvenation for the Māori Party. Do you think that um, we might see Tui Iti standing in a seat? If he doesn't make local body? Well, the problem is that he's from Rautoki. Where would he stand? Wairiki, you know? He's money up Yeah, too. okay. Money yeah. <laughs> well, and... Uh, what's, to, hap- what's happening in the um, Auckland race there? You know, if Collins took the lead uh, yeah. a week ago in Auckland, a week or so ago, um, there was some a very odd interview mm. by uh, the challenger, well, one of the challengers, Leo Malloy, where he called Guy Williams a whole bunch of names and asked him when he'd first had a shag, Shane. Yeah. Yeah, well, I moderated a debate of Nafari Wati Marai. Really interesting. Of course, you would expect Fiesel to support co-governance. Leo Malloy supports co-governance, and he talked about his relationship that he's got with Nati Fatua. Uh, look, Leo, Leo is, Malloy's. Yeah, oh. yeah. Le, 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 no, no, not he's a relation, but a relationship that he has with Nati Fatua. And and also, I don't think we should underestimate that he does have some key support amongst you know, um, community activists like Gadiwi Spragan and uh, David Latiti. So, you know, I don't think we can write them off. Look, it's a bit of a boring campaign and he's, and he's sucking um, the political oxygen out of the air and he sees that as his advantage. Uh, I think that he's got to be careful about it because, you know, if you want to be the mayor, you've got to be reasonably serious. Mm. Um, what are we looking for the week ahead, Jenny? Well, I think back to back to Parliament, so it'll be interesting after three three week recess. So that's the long recess for the year. Um, Prime Minister's been away. Um, Grant Robertson's been out and about. Um, haven't heard much from the Maori Party over the last three weeks. They've been pretty quiet, and uh, of course, uh, Chris Luxon <laughs> went away and slagged the country. Um, Had a holiday. And, and has been silent for the last week. So Rabudi Waititi's been having little online fights with David Seymour. Yes. Oh, well, that's always entertaining, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, hey, look, the court all will be about inflation, cost of living, you know, and it's a very serious issue for Māori. It, I think over the next little while it's going to go, only going to go up. With the reality is we're probably looking at a recession and then we'll, we'll probably see some of our employment, unemployment numbers climb, actually. So, you know, uh, it's a very serious time. What the National Party has to do is that they have to see whether or not they can get a clear pathway and be seen as a legitimate as a legitimate opposition and have a pathway forward. And when, when your basic strategy is to give rich tax cuts, I don't think that cuts in terms of where middle New Zealand is at. Do you know, I heard an interview the other day, and I can't remember which bank or a reserve bank person it was, but they said that the evidence is looking that it might be plateauing, the yeah. inflation. So mm. could that be good for the country? Well, going up is not good. Mm. So plateau would take that as as a good thing. Um, I think we've seen a little bit of talk over the last week or so from Nicola Willis um, and just getting back to Shane's point about um, the National Party and the strength of their ability to be in opposition. Uh, there will be questions around the leadership, whether uh, Chris Luxon will make it till Christmas uh, or whether Nicola Willis's um, <laughs> team uh, no, will get in behind. I think, you've got, I, think you've, I think you've got a very good point and we saw that when Andrew Little was the boss and everyone thought Ardern was doing a bit a job. Now they're saying Nicka Willis is doing a better job than Luxton. I think. Bring on the wahine. <laughs> Who might be the next person? Willis. 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 And the Greens. Yeah, I think I, I, I think uh, Jamie Shaw probably won't stand. I think Chloe will be the leader. Chloe. Co-leader. Okay.
Ka pai. Well, that's party people for this week. E hoa māka nui. Te mahi ki te puna whakatonga rewa mōna i tautoko i tēnei kaupapa. Don't forget you can watch us on RNZ's YouTube account and Facebook pages or download us on Apple Podcasts. E mahi ana ki a kōrua. Kia ora. 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 Kia 